as I uh, was leading into, uh, you know, my coworker's brother, uh, he was 20 years old when he passed away. Um, four years prior, he uh, was diagnosed with cancer, had a liver transplant. But from the service that I attended, which was three to 400 people out on a soccer field with bleachers, just, just like he would wanted, man, you, you, you would be amazed of the experiences uh, that these people had just by knowing this young man. Um, he was devoted to his faith, uh, always offered others encouragement, although he was going through a very, very tough time. He, was a, um, he inspired others to look past their troubles. One of the things his coach shared was that um, here he is as a coach and, and is supposed to train these, these young students for, for soccer. And, um, but in the end, he came out recognizing that this young man was actually training him for life. And something he always told his coach is he says, no, no, don't just not worry about the small things. Don't worry about the big things either. And the sad thing is, is he, he, he was not victorious in his battle with cancer, but one thing's for sure, he was victorious in where he is today. Amen. And it was, uh, man, I just, I just hope that, I'm, that I have some sort of impact on others and just that my, the day that I pass, that it would be um, really just a celebration. Um, and just have a lot of positive, positive influence on people. That's what, that's what we are called to do. How, how we have treated them, how we may have changed them and helped them be better. Um, so, yeah, you, you will never do without. God is always there for you. So some of the lyrics from that song was, Lord, you fight my every battle. I will not fear. You amaze me. Redeem me. You call me as your own. You are my strength, my defender, my refuge in the storm. We're going to be uh, going back and forth a lot in our Bibles today. Um, I think we can uh, easily just grab one little snippet and just make a complete sermon out of it. But I think specifically on this topic of um, being alone and just a lot of the people that are going through battles of depression and whatnot, it's not something simple or easy. But I, I feel like if we have numerous examples, Old Testament, New Testament, that we would then see that hey, there was others. There was others, heroes of the faith that at one point or, or more um, experienced struggle. So um, Exodus 14, 13 and 14. So the Israelites, they had the sea in front of them. They had the Egyptians behind them. Kind of like the worship song, how God split the sea. But before that, Exodus 14, 13, and 14, it says, Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So at times, us as Christians, you know, we experience uh, overwhelming circumstances. Um, it doesn't have to be something too extreme. It could be Something as uh, simple as getting a flat tire on your car or um, the power goes out in your house. Uh, the culture we live in today that is very anxious, um, 
it is very sensitive and fragile, I think a lot of us are, are quick to immediately go to the worst and, and feel overwhelmed. So like I was uh, sharing, you know, my personal experience, it just seemed like lately uh, a lot of people I know, um, a lot of people that have always, you know, influenced me in a very positive way and have, have really spoken into my life, all of a sudden, um, uh, maybe they're close to losing their house because they don't have the funds to afford it. Um, I have a, a distant family member whose teenage daughter last week tried to basically commit suicide. Um, numerous coworkers going through struggles. Um, and then I, I attend that funeral service and um, thinking a song, and then I get the request of a song, and it just, it all ties in. So maybe, maybe today, maybe, maybe there's someone here that this message is specifically for. I hope, I hope that you would receive it, have the ears to hear. So we are, we are easy to go unnoticed if, if we don't share. Um, like I said, there may be some of you here that are uh, holding a lot of things in. I pray that after today, um, or at the end of the service, that, uh, that you would open up, that you would help, uh, help us know what we can be praying about. So some of these uh, points that I'm getting um, is from a message that I heard from Rick Finitzer, um, mainly talking about loneliness. So there's, a, there's a numerous ways of, of getting to this point of, of how did I get here. One of the um, points may be, maybe, maybe there's a transition that just occurred in your life. Maybe, um, maybe you've just moved from a, another city. Maybe you're a, a fresh college student in another state. Um, you know, there's uh, just something about you know, being where you're born and raised and growing up and just having that network of uh, friends and family and classmates, but then just taking the big jump and, and moving somewhere else, there's, gosh, there's many of you here that I know that are not originally from this area, so you have experienced at some point transition. Uh, maybe you had uh, come to here um, because you had friends that lived here or family. Um, you know, one of the my sob story of uh, being homesick, uh, Jennifer and I, we uh, moved to Texas. Um, we were 22 years old, didn't know anyone down there, but we moved uh, for my schooling. And this is just so uh, babyish, I guess. But I remember talking to my grandma and just talking to her and just a little bit emotional. And, and I said, Grandma, all I want to do is, man, if a plane right now could just pick me up and just bring me right back home, I said, I just miss my stump out in the forest where I squirrel hunt. <laughs> my grandmother thought it was funny, but I think that she could relate. But I, I, I just had that, that loss of uh, just my, my normal, you know, my normal environment. I just wanted to be on that silly little stump that I'm certain is rotten away today. It doesn't even exist. But um, So I was homesick. That, that transition to Texas was really tough. Jen and I had each other, which I honestly believe has really, really strengthened our marriage. Um, just having no one close that was family member that could just, you know, help out with things, whether it was moving stuff or just hanging out. Um, certainly we made friends down there, but uh, transition, it, it could be a tough thing. You may be experiencing that today. You may be visiting us and uh, um, you're 
starting to make new friends. So I hope this is a, a welcoming place, and uh, we're just glad to have you here. So separation uh, from a place or person, uh, you may have uh, lost a loved one. You know, living so many years with someone married, and suddenly they're gone. Um, or maybe now they're in a nursing home, and you have to go visit them. And um, Or maybe you can come during uh, the holiday season. Christmas just brings up a lot of the memories and Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I read uh, a story in a magazine that I have of... Um, this uh, young man and his father that went out um, on a big hunting trip, and uh, they got separated. And uh, the son, he was a teenager at the time, he was out in the wilderness for five days, um, and he survived. And when the helicopter picked him up, he, was, um, uh, he had hypothermia, a lot of different health issues from being out there that long. And he was kind of laughing, and, and then he asked, you know, hey, you find my dad? And, and the, the, the guy in the helicopter just didn't really know how to break it to him. But all of a sudden, his uh, feelings of, and emotions of, I've been rescued and, and I'm a fine, to all of a sudden, what's up? You, did, you, didn't, you didn't find my dad? And the mother, um, towards the end of the story, you know, she says that you know, we were married for 20-plus years, and I never had the sense of feeling alone like I do now. So a loss of, of a loved one, you know, you could feel alone. Some of our choices and unmet goals um, could eventually lead into depression. Um, choices can lead into feeling alone. Um, I think a lot of us, especially um, in America, you know, we have all these wonderful, far out there goals that, um, that are going to take a lot of hard work. Um, maybe some of us just aren't. Um, made to endure all that's needed. Uh, you need that drive, but um, maybe being a dreamer is your thing, and, and maybe you've experienced a lot of goals that never came to be. You could be 50, 60 years old, just still living that high school dream. Or maybe your job. Maybe you had schedule so much on your plate, whether you recognize it or not, that all of a sudden you recognize that there's no time to hang out with my buddies or there's no time to attend my child's play at school. Um, uh, some of the research that I was doing, and I really need to, um, and I'm being honest and open here, I really need to do more of that insight for myself, is my introverted nature, I truly desire to be at home. And... It seems like I work as hard as I can during the week, even after work, to do things around the house so my weekends are open. And some of the research that I was looking at is that uh, especially uh, middle-aged men, they, they have that desire to be alone. And after having that cycle and that habit that they've created, once they're in their 50s and then they're in their 60s, they haven't created any new friendships. They've never, they have not preserved the friendships that they had. So I'm just wondering, if I continue on the path that I'm going on, yeah, I've got three little ones, little girls, and um, they really soften me up. But if I truly continue to have that desire to be alone, and maybe not have a son to kind of share with them outdoorsy things. I might be a 60-year-old man that might be one of the most depressed guys you know. Who knows? But 
luckily today, I'm, I'm yet to be 40, and I've got this insight that I'm, that God spoke to me, that God said, research that I never even thought of or even would care to consider until, hmm, maybe that does make sense. Anxiety about an uncertain future. Um, you know, if you don't know what the future holds, um, there can be um, darkness there. There can be darkness of the winter, the winter months. You know, there's a lot of activity and buzz in the summertime, the nice weather. But um, here in the Carolinas, we've got it made pretty well. But it's almost hibernation up in New York, where I'm from, the wintertime. Not much to do outside. But uh, anxiety about an uncertain future, uh, loss of job. Um, you know, I've shared this before, and I'll share it again. Some of you may have not heard it. Um, when I was working for a, a big uh, race team, uh, when they shut down, I'll never forget being at the kitchen table, Jen and I, just processing, how are we possibly going to do this? We had two kids. Emily was um, one and a half at the time. And I had no plan, no backup plan. I don't think my heart has ever beat harder and, and to go back to that um, discussion about transition, um, at that time, we were here for three, four years, I believe it was. Um, we had just started to come to this church. Uh, fortunately, I made a network of people, but there was, uh, there was someone in the congregation that actually employed me for four months and got us through um, and I honestly could have stayed there. Maybe I should have stayed there. But um, another job came up, and, and I really feel like that was a trial, and that was a test. Um, not to get off completely on a different topic, but it was definitely on the topic of tithing, something that my wife spoke. A lot of us men who think we got it going on and we know all the answers. Our wives, were, they're pretty wise, too. Maybe a little tick more than we are, but... Jen said, well, we're, we're not. <laughs> but Jen said, we are not going to stop tithing. We have to continue to tithe. So I immediately processing, okay, these are the numbers. If we stop tithing, we would have this much more. Are we going to decide to do this or not? And fortunately, we, we continued on with um, almost as if nothing had changed. Amen. So a tragedy. This is, this is probably the biggest of all, um, you know, a lot of the, the shootings that occur, or you think of 9-11, um, uh, or maybe you hear of, uh, you know, a distant family member that has, you know, made some really poor choices and uh, maybe, maybe was successful in, in trying to, to end their life. And you just process, oh, what can I have done if I was there? Or what should I have done? Or last week when I was thinking about them, I should have called, but I didn't. The heartbreak is unimaginable. You may feel helpless, unsafe, alone, isolated. Many experience loneliness from time to time. No one seems exempt. So as I said, we're going to be diving into Scripture a lot here. If you would... Um, one of the main uh, areas we're going to be looking at is 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 13. So the Word of God contains many examples 
of God's people who were lonely. Yes, they trusted the Lord and he gave them strength and encouragement, but that does not mean that they were not lonely. So here we have the Apostle Paul. Some of us may have glanced over this before and never really thought much about it, but uh, there was a time where he was lonely. This is a man who uh, had a radical transformation um, from killing the Christians to all of a sudden being uh, one of the main you know, preachers and uh, church planners of the time. Uh, Fourteen of our New Testament books are from the Apostle Paul. Second Timothy 4, starting with verse 9. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. I honestly don't know if that's how you pronounce them words, but we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna go with it. <laughs> Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychus to Ephesus when you come. Be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May I not be counted against them. So if you already know the end of the, the second book of Timothy, this is basically the execution that Paul was awaiting was, was really close. He's in a dungeon at this time, but he's still proclaiming the gospel message. He's just been shipwrecked. Um, all these things that have led up to, to this cold, dark, damp dungeon. While in prison, loneliness is gripping at his heart. Does anyone care? He may have been thinking. Or how about the, the example we have in Joseph? Um, there's a lot written about him, Genesis 37 to chapter 50. Uh, I'm not going to um, reference any specific um, there. but uh, So he was uh, brought up. Um, he had all these dreams and visions, and his ten brothers were very jealous of him. Um, they tried to get rid of him. He was eventually uh, sold into slavery. Uh, he experienced some time in jail, but then he had uh, risen up to become the second most powerful man in Egypt, next to Pharaoh. All along the way, he must have missed his home, his country, and his family. I don't know about you guys that have uh, uh, brothers, but I know me and my brother, we, we fought quite a bit, but certainly never to the level of really trying to hurt each other or actually thinking about getting rid of them. So the loneliness that he must have felt with just, God is speaking to me and I'm sharing it and they're leaving me for dead. Psalm 13, verses 1 to 4. Psalm 13, 1 to 4. This is King David. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Do not let them rejoice at my downfall. So looking at this psalm, we don't know exactly the time when he wrote this, but we do know uh, there was a time that King Saul was pursuing him, basically trying to kill him. 
Uh, we have his son, Absalom, who later on, um, he also tries to pursue his father and try to kill him. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, God's messenger. If you would, turn to Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The Lord told him this. He had a very specific calling on his life. That's great, God. Thank you, I'm sure he, he felt. What a blessing. But you see later on in life where he's called to, to speak to God's people, um, the communication that he brings forth brings judgment. <clears throat> um, he also feels some of the judgment of what God's people were experiencing. Uh, he was likely angry, frustrated, uh, fearful, uncertain, depressed. This is Jeremiah, God's prophet. He knew his enemies wanted to get rid of him. He couldn't trust his friends. He felt sometimes that even God had deceived him. His life was so painful that he wished that he had never been born. Turning to chapter 9 in Jeremiah, verse 2. He says, oh, that I could go away and forget my people and live in a traveler's shack in the desert. Just the sorrow that he was experiencing, that how, how, could, this, how could this be? So does the Bible give insight into other people who experience loneliness? For sure it does. Some of God's finest servants were individuals that experienced loneliness. God, however, kept them and provided encouragement for them. So now that we have some examples from Scripture, some very, um, very notable people and what they experienced, um, let's see some practical, maybe some practical ways that we can use to um, basically be free from loneliness. Since we know that it exists and that others experience it, how do we begin to overcome it? So point number one, know the reality of loneliness. Loneliness in itself is not sinful. Adam was lonely before sin ever entered the Garden of Eden. And we all know this. Um, Genesis 2 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So I think, as I initially started out, that it's okay to communicate that everything's not okay. You know, the mask that we may put on or um, the fake personality maybe that we may be putting on, not just at work or at home, but even here at church. You know, we, we truly are God's people. And if we are, want that unity, uni unity that God so desires and declares for his church, then we need to be open and real and honest. I think one of the toughest things may be, um, maybe you, if, you, if you are a, a solid Christian, maybe sharing some of your struggles with people who are not godly or who um, are not Christians, maybe in the workplace. Maybe, maybe that's even more of a place where we put on that false mask. Yeah, everything, everything's good. Yeah, it's fine. No, we're, we haven't missed 
Tommy was just sharing about uh, you know some of the people that rent from him and uh, a year's worth of not paying rent. That's just that. I'm not speaking into that exactly, but that that lady may have been on the worship team or something at church and didn't tell anyone about that. Didn't request help, financial help. Um, sorry, I didn't get, mean to get off on that, but just let's be real. Not just to come to people and, and say, you know, give me something, but there is, uh, there is influence. There is the majority here that very likely has experienced the same thing that you are currently going, on, going through. So it's okay. It's likely that we've all been there. Maybe you need to go somewhere and, and have a good long cry. Do it as often as you wish. You know, accept that your feelings are normal. It was after Adam's sin that not only did he have to deal with loneliness, but he also had to deal with being separated from God. A lack of fellowship with God is the greatest emptiness and loneliness on planet Earth. Merging right into point number two, accept God's provision for your loneliness. God alone satisfies. Nothing will fill the God-shaped vacuum in your life if you do not if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, Savior, you will be forever empty. And, and kind of going back to, to my personal story, uh, you know, at age 12, my parents divorced, and um, that for me was, was a really big struggle. That was the biggest split of my relationship to my parents uh, that I could ever say has happened in my life. And I, I instead of trying to balance the relationship with each of them or to just go to one or go to the other. I just, I just started to spend more time with my friends, less time with my brother and sister, and, and eventually at the age of 18, you know, leading into uh, getting myself a car, um, certainly alcohol under the age, um, um, sex, drugs. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these things that I was trying to basically fulfill that need of um, relationship. Um, it is likely that if I had shared with my parents or would have just allowed them to, to hug me or hold me, maybe I, I would have opened up, but I didn't. It was, it was just like a wall, a giant wall. And um, <clears throat> I was at an event uh, at Madison Square Garden, um, and, and the God was, ki God was kind of nudging me and, and kind of um, kind of giving me glimpses of who he was and that there was a God and uh, somehow some way I, I ended up at this event and, and that was the the night that I I gave my heart to the Lord and um, they had an image on the screen of this uh, son who runs out the back door <clears throat> the door slams and and his dad is just standing at the door, just watching his son run. His son's got nice clothes on and everything. And um, it shows him almost to the T of, of exactly what I was doing, you know, just hanging out with my friends. But this, this guy uh, actually became homeless. And he had all raggedy clothes, the same clothes that he had left his house with, who knows how long before. But it was kind of a little skit that they did. And it, and it kept on going back to the, the image of his dad just looking out his back door, just waiting for his son to come home. And uh, 
And all of a sudden, just like a light switch, it just flicked in my brain. I'm like, whoa, that is God. That is God this whole time. And then starting to read scripture and how it, was, it was, seemed like it was speaking like exactly to me. And that love and that care and the recognition that he has always been there. And in that glimpse of time of, of being saved, uh, I know I've shared, those of you who know me, you already have heard this story. But within two weeks' time, I was uh, married, went on an amazing uh, honeymoon, uh, saved, reconciled a four-year split relationship from my mom. I completely pushed her out of my life from the ages of 20 to 24 don't call me, don't talk to me. Anytime that I would see her, I would immediately turn the way. If she'd come to my house to pick up my brother or something, I would, I would go in the house and not even look. But I share that story to, to really encourage you. I don't, I don't know if you've made a decision for Christ or, or maybe you have and, and you have broken relationships. Uh, I can honestly say today that, um, that I have peace in my life I have a wonderful relationship with my mom. She moved down here a few years ago with my stepdad and have a great relationship with my dad. <clears throat> um, most of them people are saved. They, they made um, a decision sometime after, not too long after, but just because they seen, not to say that it's because of me, but I think the biggest proponent of it is that the, I, there was just a radical change in that, an extreme radical change. So looking back at 2 Timothy 4, 17, Apostle Paul says, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And it was delivered, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. So he called for some of his closest friends, looking at that scripture there. He stayed busy with serving others, and he trusted the Lord to help him. And this this doesn't exactly go with this point number two, but this is a quote that I'll, I'll never forget. When I first started coming here, we did a men's Bible study called Wild at Heart. And um, it talks a lot about how us men, you know, we have wounds that we, honestly, we don't allow to heal. That we're continuing to bleed out. Or if there's a scab that starts to form, that we just pick the scab and it's still there. Well, one of the one of the most impactful quotes that I get from that book is uh, what he says here. The only thing more tragic than the tragedy that happens to us is the way we handle it. And it's funny because I, I shared that with a friend of mine who is not a believer. And uh, probably a year later, we went to his house for dinner. And he had actually cut that out. I don't know if he found it on the internet or if he just typed it up. But he had that quote on his refrigerator. So that made me think, okay, you're my buddy, but there's more. There's, there's something, that, something that's stirring, something that's going on there. So the only thing more tragic than the tragedy that happens to us is the way that we handle it. So really, realistically, there's a choice there that we have. Point number three, allow God's word to fill your heart and mind. Down through the ages, the word of God has kept God's servants. In the midst of the trial or testing, God's word is a constant source of courage, faith, and trust. So in verse 13, 
2 Timothy 4, he says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. See, Paul wanted the word and perhaps some good writings. He also wanted his cloak. Acts 14, 21 and 22 talks about um, Paul and Barnabas. They strengthen the believers. They encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So this, this non-believer's opinion um, that, that we should have it all going on, that we are perfect, they don't know. But why is that? I think maybe it, it could be because of the false masks that we portray, that everything is fine, everything is perfect. Well, the, the Apostle Paul just wrote that right there. He says that we need to be reminded that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles open with me, turn to James chapter 1. James 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It was interesting the Last week, as I was preparing this message here, I, I th believe I receive it quarterly. I don't know if any of you guys do, too. It's, uh, it's a four-square um, four square leader magazine is what it is. And uh, Pastor James Ludlow was sharing uh, just some of the things that had um, been happening in his church the last few years. And um, this is a story of, of, of tragedy, um, but it was great because... Uh, he said that uh, there was hope and there was influence that that church had on the, the public from what happened. And what happened was, um, so some time ago, this pastor and his wife, they had lost their youth pastor due to a uh, drunk driver hitting him. So he, he passed away. This, uh, I believe it was 2016, his wife was diagnosed with uh, cancer, breast cancer. And, um, and I don't think it was the same evening, but he received a call late at night stating that um, the vehicle that his youth pastor, his wife, and kids own was involved in a horrific accident. A 40,000-pound um, concrete bridge had collapsed, and that as they were driving under it, it, it killed all of them. I believe we have it up on the screen there. He said, I asked God the proverbial question, why? Why again, God? Why them? Why us? His answer to me was astounding. In that moment of despair, I heard the gentle, tender, loving voice of King Jesus say back to me, why not? I felt the Father say to me, lead well and love well, my son. I asked God, what do you want me to say to the world? God, what are you wanting to say to the world? His response was almost audible. Make my name known and tell people of my goodness. So why 
The why question may not be answered until we see Jesus face to face. But somehow, some way, good can come out of this. You know, for many of you, you, you kind of know what I do during the week. And, and my job is basically to run endurance testing on racing engines. And some may think, okay, so you just, you just maybe do a test like once a year, and, and then it's that, that's your engine for the year. No, we, fortunately, there's funds for us to focus on development, and every single week, we run a different test to make the engines more durable. So it is the constant pursuit. And I can completely relate to myself of all these different testing environments that we run a basically a material object. Uh, I myself go through many different experiences and God for sure is trying to form me into the most durable Christian that I can be. Not, not out of all of Christians, but each and every one of us. Point number four. Activate your network of Christian friends. Paul didn't just want to be surrounded by people. He wanted his most intimate friends. He wanted Luke, Timothy, and John Mark during his darkest days. You know, out of the, the 12 disciples, we have numerous instances where Jesus, you know, gets, gets uh, Peter, James, and John alone with them, especially um, before he was betrayed in the garden. He says, come with me. And then scripture says uh, in Mark 14, 30, it says that Jesus was deeply troubled and distressed. So our ultimate perfect example that we have that was sinless, he experienced distress. So who are we not to? During tough times, do you rely on your Christian brothers and sisters that you are close with? If not, you should. Opening up means a certain amount of vulnerability. If we are connected to Christ, then we are connected to one another. Find time with others to talk. Come here a few, or, few minutes early before church starts. Stay a little bit later. It's amazing how fast this parking lot clears. But, I mean, we need to go to lunch, I understand. We need to beat the other churches. But, um, so get here earlier. It's not just a Sunday thing. Give them a call. Come out on Wednesday nights. Come to some of the events we have. The ladies, the men. I share every single time I preach, you know, my, I call it my inner circle. It's not just because they choose to come out to Panera Bread on Tuesdays, but <clears throat> as time and time goes on, the discussions get deeper. Um, that's not to say that if you're a first timer, timer that comes that we're, we're going to be that level of, of deepness, but you will be welcomed. I, I just invite you all to, ladies to you, let's just cross out the men's breakfast thing, but men, women, that, that circle of men, and <clears throat> they're not all older than me. There's one that's my age, but uh, they've experienced a lot of things, and they speak into my life more than they'll ever know, but the interesting thing is, is that when each of them shares and, and we all encourage each other. They say the same thing. They can be 60, 70 years old, and they are appreciative 
of a 40-year-old that comes and encourages them and loves on them. So it doesn't matter your age, where you're from, but just get around other believers so they can encourage you and love on you. So concluding, Jeremiah, his isolation and loneliness was erased when he remembered who God was and he believed his promises. Jesus experienced the worst separation in time and eternity so that we could have the love, fellowship, presence, and guidance of God forever. We have King, King David, just like Job. David felt completely alone in his suffering. But because he was God's anointed, basically what that meant that he would have numerous enemies, um, because he had a godly fear, Satan sought to destroy him. For he will always seek to destroy those who honor and love God, whom God anoints and loves return, in return. So we hear about it all the time. We, we, we know that the devil is constantly at work, constantly wants to see us defeated. Always be mindful of that. And to go back to the story of Joseph, uh, the timeline basically states that age uh, 17 is when he was uh, sold into slavery. And it wasn't until he was 40 that he was reunited with his family. So there was 23 years of separation of his family. God brought good from his brother's evil deed. God brought him to the position to save the lives of many people. In the book of Philippians, with Paul, he's in prison, he's on death row, but yet he offers encouragement. Philippians 4 8 to 19. If you have your Bibles today and you haven't been looking along, please open it up. This is going to be something you need to underline if it's not already underlined. So Philippians 4, 8 and 9. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He's facing death in the future says, finally, my friends, abundant life, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. I, I don't think that there could be any better example of advice that you could give to someone who may be experiencing loneliness. I'm going to have Miss Vicki come up. <clears throat> there is hope. Things can and will change for the better. It's okay. Talk to God. Pray. Let others know. And maybe, maybe you, you yet are to ask Jesus into your heart. Today can be the day. He's radically changed my life. I've shared a little bit. Each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one of you that says, oh, I can't do that. I can't get up there. Yes, you can. Because it's your story. There's nothing wrong about it. He's done a good work in each and every one of us. Up here, we have, we have an altar that, that is open. 
If anyone would like to come up here for prayer, please do. We will have many people that would just love to, to pray with you. I'd like to ask everyone to, to close their eyes and bow their head. The altar is open. Whoever needs prayer, come down now. If you're all the way tucked into the wall, please, please come. If you're uncomfortable leaving your seat, you know, we, we can pray. We can pray right where we're at. The Father's arms are open. As we shared today, uh, there's many struggles. There's many people who have experienced a time of loneliness and defeat and tragedy. But there is victory in the name of Jesus. Admit that you are a sinner, as all of us have sinned. Believe that Jesus can radically change your life. Believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, came into this world and, and lived a sinless life and died, who rose again into eternal life that is open to you and I. And lastly, make a decision to commit your life to Jesus. Commit to his word, his instruction. He loves and cares for you. Your lives will forever be changed. Love you, Jesus. A new beginnings, Lord. Father God, I pray for peace, for freedom, for hope, Lord. May we focus on the good. May we focus on knowing that, that there is a plan in all this, Lord God. Father God, give us the durability and the strength to get through these times, Lord Jesus. Father God, as, as a church, would we recognize the needs around us at church, at home, maybe our children. The plan that we've, we've had for our family may not be coming into fruition, but, but there's no better time than now. Today can be a new day where we can hit the reset button. Father God, I pray that you would just comfort those who are going through that tough time. Father God, I, I open myself to, to being uh, more available, Lord. Father God, may, may someone come speak to me. May someone come speak to our elders, Lord God, just, just to share about life, share about what they may be going through, Lord God. And God, we believe and we know that you hear our prayers, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. We're going to have Dean and Rachel come down, and we're, they're going to dismiss us. And uh, like I said, it's not too late. We're going to uh, just be available up here if you'd like to come down and pray. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Yeah, just, just listening to, to the word being delivered, I just... Was reminded of Jesus' words, and when his disciples were with him out on a storm, there was a storm brewing around them. And Jesus spoke to the storm. He said, "Peace, be still." So, to someone, Jesus is saying to the storm that's in your life, "Peace, be still. Come to me." Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. For your grace, we thank you that you are a good father, 
that we can come, that we can lay our burdens down at your feet. Lord, we ask that you will just continue to reveal yourself to us in these storms. Show us, Lord, that you are in control of these storms. And Lord, whatever burden we have, Lord, we choose, we make the choice to lay it at your feet. And we give you the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.